Hello, hello, hello. Welcome along to Benchcast. I'm Neville O'Donoghue, and this is a podcast for bench warmers. Listen to me now, listen to me. Which phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. We're going to do it. Tyson Fury. It's Torres to give Chelsea a place in the Champions League final. The headline has been written. You're a county? Absolutely not. That's a load of rubbish, Brechon, to be quite honest. Uh, He's a disgrace to have a football club. What a belt he's given it. I, 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 I love I love I love me county, you know. We love Jamalan! Welcome along to this week's show. Wherever you're listening from, I hope you're well. On today's show, I have former Limerick curler and footballer Stephen Lucy. Sit back, relax, and give a listen. Enjoy. Stephen Lucy, Stephen, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, the first question I have to ask, anyway, because I put up a poll on our Instagram where people could ask the guest a question. I do it for every guest we have on. And the, the first question that came in, well, there were a lot of questions, was, did the president come back to the house party? No. <laughs> Maybe if we'd have won, she'd have come down. I'd say she went to Kilkenny after instead. Right, right. What, um, um, like, I couldn't believe when I was when I was getting on to you that, uh, that you're a doctor also, like, you know, because, like, how do you, a lot of people ask this as well, how did you manage to, ju- to juggle it all, playing hurling and football and also being a doctor? Uh, it was time management. I'd be quite good at that, you know, and kind of efficient and um, looking ahead at, and planning, I suppose, that would be one of my, I suppose, a key skill. Like um, for dual players and stuff back then, you kind of want to, you have to want to, really want to be able to play everything. And back then I did, like, you know, a lot of people these days, they may not want to play all those games where they wouldn't be bothered like so yeah i was just mad to play like if there was a game on in three o'clock in the morning we'd have played it you know if it was on up in wherever anywhere you would have wanted to play it you know just young lads wanting to play games you know right and what um the, the other thing i mean you're not on social media then at all because like i, I, no, got, I get myself in way too much trouble if i was on social media right but like i <laughs> i was looking I, I thought that was very funny that time before the all ireland but like I was looking, I don't know, did you see that video that someone... Put I did a chorus through the whole lot of the club yeah. lads had it sent to me on WhatsApp, you know. But did you see, like, some of the comments then I thought were a bit unfair, like you said, like, some people were saying under, oh, I'd say Henry Shefflin or Eddie Brennan weren't asking, they were probably focused on the match. Well, like, it was... This very is negative. Thing, like, no, 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 no. That, that was not, that's the wrong take on it. Yeah. See, like, it's your first start in a final and there's a lot of nerves, Right. And I was looking around the dressing room and I could see lads were nervous. But for some reason, I was actually calm. You know, I was, you know, I was, I felt I was ready. I was calm. And that was just a way of relaxing. I wouldn't say too, there's a balance. Like you, you don't be too relaxed. Yes, I was nervous, but I wasn't crippled by nerves. And I felt that was just another way that it was just, just getting through those moments, getting ready for the, the match to start. You know, like if you if you were anywhere near any dressing rooms nowadays, especially the Limerick senior hurlers, you'll hear the music and the tunes absolutely blaring out of it. Same with the Limerick footballers. I'm the doc with them. And think times have changed. Like lads aren't hammering walls or tables. They're more chilled out. Like, I mean, if you see any of the inside dressing room uh, carry on of the players, like you'll see they've got these 
secret handshakes or whatever, and they're kind of doing a bit of mess and a bit of dancing. You know what I mean? That kind of thing is is commonplace now. And to me back then, that was just my way of getting through those moments, you know? Like you're standing around for 15, 20 minutes after the warm up with parades and shaking hands and um, national anthems and all this stuff. That was just my way of coping, like, you know? Yeah, no, no, because every fella gets ready for the match in a different way. That's what I thought. I wasn't was... planned. No, that, I hadn't planned on doing that, like, or anything like that. It was just, it just came to me. Like, I just, I'm a chatty person. Yeah, you know, and I was chatting to, I was just chatting to her. I've been excited to meet the president as well, like as you'd be, you know. Yeah, yeah. no, I thought it was very funny anyway. But um, your fam there, no, there was no malice or harm, or uh, or I wasn't disrespecting anybody or anything, you know. So yeah, yeah. Your fam, your fam crew, man. Anyway, um, tell us, like, is are you still playing with the club, Stephen? And is like playing with the club? Yeah, I've my gear on now. If you saw the bottom half of me, I have my rollers and uh, gear on. I'm going out for a run. We're starting back on Monday. We're a bit late getting back. So I give it one more go. So my wife is sick of me saying that. <laughs> is that where your is that where your hurling started? Like, and is that where it developed? Yeah. Yeah. And hurling and football. I was I was very lucky in Croom. There was um, a lot of houses were built in Croom uh, around the years, and we a lot of we had a couple of age groups. My age group and the a year or two ahead and a year or two behind, and a bunch came up together, and we were quite successful at hurling and football underage. That kind of led to the dual thing as well. And, um, you know, uh, there's a couple of us still playing. A few of them are, are still managing and selecting over the last few years. Like, but uh, there was a great culture amongst our age group. Like, we still love it. Like, we're always talking about the GA. We're always going to matches, still involved in the club and so on. Like, so we're lucky, you know. I, there, there's, I, I want to ask you as well, because I still play a bit of rugby. And one of the lads on my team, he plays with the water for footballers. And I suppose you can relate to this. Is that like, I suppose you'd be very in favour of the the restructure of the football championship because I was saying to him Waterford never going to win a Munster in football or an All-Ireland football like probably Limerick in football I don't know do you ever see yourself you're obviously you'd be in favour of the restructure of the football championship would you? Yeah I would when I, when we were playing we, were, we weren't bad like you know with the under-21s we got the All-Ireland final against Tyrone after winning Munster and uh, we beat Cork in 2003 then by 10 points in the Munster championship and um <clears throat> Played Kerry, you know, three or four. We played, you know, two more once the finals in nine and ten. So uh, those times we went toe-to-toe with Cork and Kerry. If there was a thing of a restructuring at that point, we may not have been paired with them. I'm glad they retained the Munster Championship, but I do th- feel it's important that there is a secondary competition now, the, the Talton Cup. It depends how it's packaged. depends how it's promoted. It depends what prestige you have with it. Um, I suppose... A lot of weaker counties, you know, if you have no success and you're constantly going out to slaughter, then lads will just walk away. They won't bother. The commitments nowadays are way more than what they were even when I finished up in 2015 and even way more what they were in kind of the late 90s and even miles away from when I started. Like I was my first year on the hurling panel was uh, 99. My first year on the football panel was 2000. So it's it's just uh, you know a galaxy away from from what it is then, and you know with the pandemic, aren't a lot of people reassessing their life, what they do from a personal point of view, where they want to, what they want to do, you know, in work. A lot of people are changing jobs and they're questioning what their priorities are, what's their commitment like to sports and so on. So like, fellas, a lot of lads are kind of walking away. They want to go travelling that they might have put off and stuff. So if you don't have a proper structure there, like. Um, I mean, everyone always goes back to Leitrim, but there's other counties as well. Like, I mean, are they going to win anything? Waterford in football, 
I mean, just playing the Munster Championship, getting beaten every year, then playing a qualifier, you might win one and then you get you get beaten. But what's the point? You know, if you can win something tangible, maybe that's what uh, players want. So, yeah, I would be for it. Yeah, like, obviously you said there, being a dual player, like, it's it's virtually impossible to do it nowadays, Stephen, isn't it? Like, the level of Skanta. Yeah, you can't. You couldn't do it now. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't. Yeah, like, even... Um, hurling is way more skill specific they're two different sports effectively but the level of training now and like it's not just two nights a week pitch sessions and a match the weekend you're talking five to six days a week you're talking um, constantly feeding data back into the apps to see how you're feeling how, how your readiness to train your RPEs um, your injury levels your sleep your mood all these things and your nutrition there's no off button like really you know so it's all consuming you can't do that. You can't go with two masters now. Years ago, it was different. There was one championship match and we're gone or one championship match in a back door. Um, there wasn't as many demands. There wasn't as much pressure. It wasn't as mu- as professional. But I, I know you can't do uh, dual players these days, unfortunately. But look, it is the nature of the beast, you know, evolution and all that. Yeah, do you think, I, I don't know it's probably too late, but do you think it should nearly be dialed back a small bit? Because I always say this to a lot of the GA guests I have on, Look at Offaly, they used to be a great GA county in both hurling and football, but they they struggled to compete over the last few years because of the likes of Dublin, Limerick, Cork. They have big money now, whereas like the smaller counties, it's an unfair playing field, no? Yeah, I agree. I don't know how you dial it back because um, science, you know, players are, are very up to speed on what the levels are and you can't really dilute that. Like even people are striving for excellence. That's what people do and that's what all players do. Um, you touched on funding there. That's a key issue. Um, that that the the coaching um, fund uh, needs to be redistributed. I think they're. Ta- I don't know. Did it happen yesterday at Congress? Did it pass? But uh, I know John Canellan and a few more were championing a cause there to have it redistributed from uh, from Dublin and that. What Oshie McConnell made a good point. I suppose the the you know the utopia would be having a GDA or a GPO, whatever their their term is, in every single club in the country i don't know I, that's not possible but what you could do is have maybe one gda gpo per group of clubs so one between two or three that's the, i think that might be doable i think that's the model that the county board and limerick are looking at doing now so maybe you could have um a coach that might be part funded by the county board council monster council or croke park and part funded by the clubs say you could have them in groups of three or five whatever is affordable I think that's a model that definitely should be should be looked at. Like I'm the club coaching officer now, and I'm constantly on trying to get stuff organised and that. And that's one thing I'd be keeping a very close eye on what that uh, that uh, John Canellan was recommending and seeing what the G uh, the Crow Park would do. So uh, the next year or two would be very interesting. No, definitely. And um, I obviously we share something in common there, um, Stephen. Uh, I I just want to touch on briefly. You went to Surgeon College, Ross Gray. Where you was yeah. Hugh McDonald there in your time, was he? And oh, Dick- Huey, Huey was, um, you know, you know the way you have your coaches that shape your life. Yeah. You know, Huey was one of them for me. Like, I hated Ross Gray. Like, I didn't like it. I remember, no, I didn't. I was locked so, up. Like, I mean, literally, 92 to 1997. So, like, I was captain of the under-12 team. We were playing when you had to win the South Championship to get into the county. So, I was captain of the team at home. It was a game on a Sunday or a Saturday evening or something like that. And dad was taking me away back to Ross Gray, like, and uh, to start boarding school. Like, and he wanted to take me away. I said, dad, we've played a match. And half time came and he was trying to take me away with a big blow up on the sideline. 
and, and everyone was there watching it like and I literally was dragged and it was a big blowout now like and I was fuming that I was being taken away during a game to be brought to boarding school I felt like I was being taken away to, to be locked up like yeah and uh, we won the semi-final anyway I was taking they agreed I was t- because we we're well ahead taking off for 10 minutes to go but I wasn't allowed home then for the final the following week and I wasn't allowed home hardly at all the whole five years only the the, the weekends once a month you were off for the weekend so you know your summer holidays you're home a month then Easter or uh, Halloween then uh, Christmas then the midterm Easter and so on so once a month for like you come home you get home on a Friday or a Friday evening or whatever it was and you're going back up on a Sunday and that was it like so I hated that and only for <coughs> Huey being over the team and in fairness I was good pals with Paddy and John O'Brien of Toomey Vara and uh, still am and uh, they kind of kept, go- kept me going there from the hurling we got to the All-Ireland Colleges final in the B um, we won we beat Colossus to own in the Leinster final well, Ross Gray actually Cistercians is just over the border in Toffoli which is why we compete in, in Leinster and um so we beat Colossian in the in the Leinster final, and we played St Clements of Limerick, believe yeah. it or not, in the in the in the All Ireland final in Nina. And yeah. they, they were like the who's who with the Limerick minor hurlers at the time. All the lads were there. They were like the art school reach of the time, and uh, we were beaten by four points anyway. But uh, Huey was over the team, and like he was great. Uh, like, yeah, actually, Paddy, is uh, John O'Brien sent a message in? I think he's running a a whiskey company, I know as well. Actually, isn't it? So I can't think. Oh, of he it. is Jim Max. Everybody yeah. buy Jim Max whiskey. Big shout out to John O'Brien. <laughs> I was asking him, what is he bringing out rum? I'll, I'll put my, I'll, I'll invest in his rum. <laughs> what? Uh, when you were there, the final question I'd like to ask is that because Connor Feelan now he's with the Kilkenny management. He when I was in second year, he was in sixth year. Was he there in your time? And also Gavin Duffy, was he there in your time? Gavin, yeah, Gavin was class. A couple of years behind me, and uh, was a good away player, good footballer. He played in the All Ireland Minor uh, final, yeah. I think, in football Mayo against Down in '99. Yeah. So Gavin was there, excellent footballer. The feelings were there. Um, uh, actually, it's funny, uh, John or Connor and John, the twins. Uh, John is married to my wife's uh, best pal, and actually, we kind of int- introduced him. We were out one night in Dublin, and uh, Fiona and I and the, and the gang, and uh, we met the, the twins. Are out the night house and get together, and just happy ever after from then on. Like, you know, right, right. No, yeah. I remember John, John was. I remember John was a fine number eight as well. But um, the other yeah. thing I'll ask you as well, then I suppose we'll touch about Limerick, uh, Stephen. Um, talk to me about Richard Richie Bennett because you seem like a great character. And that, oh, stop. Richie yeah. was exactly what we needed back then. Like um, you know, we were tipping away, and uh, Richie came in then when things had taken a turn after the match in Ennis against Clare. Richie is a legend. Like we call him Richie Benitez, you know, like he was a hard gaffer and uh, just the passion and no bullshit. Like yeah. just, just straight, honest passion. And like, it suited us at the time. Like, and we all rallied in behind him and, you know, like all those, all those years when we didn't win much, like it was very, very competitive, you know, again, with Cork had an excellent team. Kilkenny had an excellent team. Watford, Tipperary, all very, very strong. There was a lot of years, first round of the championship, you lose by only one or two points. So we never got the momentum. Momentum was massive in Munster championships back then. Like you lose your first game, you're already on the back foot. You know, things were a bit low and, uh, you know, there'd be a lot of recriminations and kind of a lot of talk. There was always a lot of talk and negativity knocking around. And um, just the first game, like, but Richie came in and that that trilogy against Tip in 07, like, you know, that really got us onto the crest of a wave after that like so that was that was a good year we didn't win anything but um you know like we went very close a lot of times 
the uh, the league final in 06, the Munster final, the All Ireland final. You know, we even lost the county final then with Croom only a couple of months after. So a lot of finals lost in that 18 months. Yeah. But Richie was a great guy, you know, great guy. A massive time for Richie. Yeah, talk to me about that because I like obviously I was uh, I'm from y'all, but I were very close to the Waterford border there, and you beat Waterford in that semi final, and like there was a lot of people raging because like they really thought that was Waterford's year, and then you went on and like that All Ireland final just didn't go your way, like you know, like and I, I actually thought it was very unfair on Waterford that time because if you remember they had to play two tough games with Cork, I think in the quarter final and went to extra time. And then did mm. the following week, you know. But talk yeah. about that year and talk to me about the All Ireland. Yeah, well, we had to play Waterford the Munster final after a trilogy and extra times, like oh, so. Yeah. You know, by the time we got to the Munster final, we were knackered. I, I, I thought, like you know, like we had set our goals at the, that, that year, right? The, the start of it, we went up to Briefy House in Mayo for a weekend training camp. That was the start, and Dave Moriarty was the coach. Now, Dave Moriarty or Darcy, as we call, he's known was the, the Limerick senior football coach under Liam Kearns. So we had known him for years. And up in Briefy, we did a, a weight session and then we had uh, we, we went into the function room and it was like all the newspaper cuttings of the previous couple of years and all the matches that we'd lost and the matches we'd lost badly and so on. And we sat down with a big, big discussion and uh, small groups and we did flip uh, flipboard uh, flip out, uh, flip chart, writing down our goals for the year the, you know, the do's, the don'ts, different things like that. That room, I think we came out of that room very, very focused for the year ahead. You know, it was a different feeling. Um, we trained the following morning and absolutely, like, absolutely ran the shit out of us. Like, it was a real, you know, a head buster. It was, a ment- it was to test your mental toughness, like, you know. And that kind of set the tone then for the year. And the players were holding each other accountable, which is a big thing, I think, in any elite sport or even in any... Not non elite sport. Like if you have a team where players are calling each other out, holding each other accountable, and so on, that team will be going places, you know. So that that stemmed from that weekend. So our goals for the year were to beat Tipperary in the first round of the league, beat Tipperary in the first round of the championship, and uh, get to another semi final. So we achieved the three goals, but we didn't get to the next level, which was potentially winning uh, the monster final after we beaten Tip because it kind of. It took an awful lot of emotional energy, uh, yeah. those three games, and it was an incredible release after having won it. So you, you, all the videos are there for everyone to see. Like, And uh, Waterford t- caught us for a couple of goals um, <clears throat> in the Munster final. And we caught them then, uh, similarly, in the All-Ireland semi-final. But I think, uh, Kenny, we hadn't been to an All-Ireland final before. They had, they had the experience. They had an outstanding team. And they targeted us and they got the early start. Like they were eight, I don't know, were they eight points up? Two, two scored after 10 minutes or something. And they targeted our, our um, Seamus Hickey, a cornerback. Um, and he was only, you know, Seamus was only 19. Like, so, um, yeah, look, there was pro, pros and cons, more pros and cons that year for sure. Like, you know, it was a good journey. You know, sport isn't all about winning medals either. Like it's the journey and the friendships and, and the experiences that are long remembered after medals are in a box or hanging on a wall. Yeah, no, I I heard you on off the ball. Was it last year? And I listened to your interview. It was very good. I thought I thought you said that very well. But t- talk to me about your time with Limerick, then, Stephen. I suppose you played ten years or more with the hurlers and footballs. Looking back, you probably just really enjoyable time, was it? Yeah, well, it spanned across seventeen years. So, like, nineteen ninety nine was the first year on the hurling. Like, you know, you're only a, you're only a young lad, really, yeah. in there to gain experience. 
Like there was a lot of the teams that I idolized from the 94, 96 were still there. And um, <clears throat> the football then started up in 2000. <clears throat> I suppose there's a lot of negative, a lot of bad days in the hurling. You know, we took a lot of, there was some, Jesus, 2009 against Tip up in the All-Ireland semi-final was a disaster. Um, Ennis in 06 was a disaster. Offaly in 2003, you know, those were bad days. Um, football, actually, we were always, you know, you know, we were always kind of punching above our weight, you know, and we always gave it our absolute all, even if we were beaten, you know, there was never any disgrace, like, you know. You brought, you brought Cork to extra time the year they won the All-Ireland, didn't you? Yeah, 2000 and, uh, 2006, yeah, 2006. Was 2006, 2006, 2006, 2006, 2006, 2006, 2006, 2006, 2006, 2006, 2006, 2006, 2006, Kerry in 09 and ended up playing Cork in the next round of the qualifiers and the reverse happened the following year. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, it was just disappointing we never won a monster in the football. Yeah, and uh, disappointing that we never, um, uh, you know, won a couple of more championship matches uh, in those years in the hurling. Like 2005, we drew a tip in the first round of the hurling. And we lost the replay after extra time by one point, right. you know, and things, you know, didn't go so well. Well, we got to the quarterfinal against Kilkenny in Croke Park in 05 as well. Like, we, uh, you know, I think we lost by seven, six or seven points or something like that, you know, but they were a better team on the day. You know, it was very competitive then, though, you know. Yeah, I remember following you and watching Limerick, obviously, but like, like obviously the success Limerick have now, what did they have? Three All-Irelands in four years? And like, what do you think changed it all of a sudden? Like, what, what was, because you were always oh, there thereabouts, but couldn't get over the line, you know? Well, this, what's happening now in Limerick, we're, we're very lucky, you know, very privileged. And we may, long may it continue. We may enjoy the ride as long as it can. It's going in a cycle. Double, the, the Kilkenny team, they had their life cycle and they kind of went on a downward trajectory. Dublin footballers, they've gone through their peak and they're on the downward trajectory. Limerick are in the midst of it at the minute. You know, what I think we have with Limerick is the best manager and management team, the best coach and the best set of players we've had in a very long time, like generational players. You know, you're talking the Henry Shefflins, Eddie Brennans, you know, uh, JJ Delaney's, uh, Tommy Walsh's, that kind of crew group of players of Kilkenny's, Kilkenny's era. And now we have our era of players all coming at the one and at the same time. So all the conditions, you could say the planets are aligned. That's what we have here in Limerick. I don't know will we ever see it again. You know, so I'm, it's just, it's so enjoyable. You know, it, things are so positive. It's a real privilege and a pleasure to be a Limerick person, a Limerick GAF supporter at the moment. Yeah. You know, but like that will change. That will turn like, you know, you know, hopefully we'll win another All-Ireland or two and, not, you know, as long as we can. But Cork, Cork are coming, like the Empire are going to strike back like within the next couple of years. As Limerick's trajectory kind of reaches a peak and kind of goes down, Corks will be kind of coming up and they'll cross over. And that's when Cork will start winning, you know. Like Galway, you would have thought that they were kind of on a downward trajectory as well after Joe leaving and maybe it stalled in the last couple of years. And there's a lot of mileage in those legs and one or two more retirements. But they're after finding a couple of more class players there, you know, they were very good against Limerick in the league last week. Like, Limerick were good too and the sending off didn't help with Hego. But they were, I was impressed with Galway, you know, especially after they were hammered only two weeks before that in the in the Walsh Cup, you know, so. I was just about to ask you that because, you know, when you're at the top, people want to bring you down and like when Gerard Her Hergerty 
got the red card last week. Everyone was like, oh, Limerick are a dirty team. They're a filthy team. Like, what you, what you make of that? I don't think Limerick, I don't think Limerick certainly aren't filthy. Yeah. But they, there's a, there's an age, only say it, like that was stupid, like Garoad, like, you know, he was just, I don't know, was he frustrated or was he, he was provoked, you know, when there's pushing and shoving and you go at a fella then in the heat of the moment, like, and the hurley coming up around the neck, like it was a, it was a red card, there's no doubt. And he knows it himself. And I, he's very, very disappointed with himself. But like, they're physical players. They're very, very big and strong players. If you physically stand beside those Limerick lads, they're very big and strong so when they're going to be in full flight, they're going to be clattering into fellas. And when they're tackling, they're tackling hard. So when there's smaller players and they're tackling them and there's going to be contact, there's going to be times when, say, a tackle, you're going to tackle a guy. And whatever way the contact, your man could get hit in a certain way that he's just keeled over or not. You know what I mean? It looks bad. Yeah. But that's just the nature of contact sports. You don't go out when you're tackling to clobber a fella because you're going to either get a yellow or a red, give away a free or something, you know. So, like, you don't go out with that in your head. Nobody does go out with that in their head. Like, you know, if they've got any cop on. Yeah. But you do go out there to tackle as hard and as effectively as you can. And that's what the Limerick team do. It's, it's completely different to people saying that they're dirty and filthy. That's nonsense. Yeah. You know? What do you think of Don Logue's comments? <laughs> what does he say again? He's basically said that uh, Limerick have been getting away with that for years. And that red, that red card was a long time coming for Hegarty. Nash, that's bullshit. Yeah. Like, like, don't log. I wonder, is he softening the narrative? Yeah. Or is he changing the narrative to yeah. try and, because uh, Cork, you know, he maybe he, he's changing. That's what he's doing. He's changing the narrative and he's influencing it a bit. Like, people, we're talking about it now. And I'm sure people will be talking about it during the summer. And yeah. uh, it'll maybe it'll be, it'll be a topic of conversation again in the lead up. He's only turning up the heat for that and setting the scene. That's well, my take on that. Well, I don't think I don't think Dermot O'Sullivan and uh, the backs in front of him back in the day. I'd say were no saints. Exactly. No, that's exact. They're exactly those lads you mentioned are the exact same way now as the Limerick lads were then. You know, yeah. you have to do that to win winners. You know, winners have to be ruthless. Like, yeah, yeah. What's gonna What's gonna beat Limerick this year, uh, Stephen? Um, Limerick hunger, but I don't think that has been an issue at all. So it's less of an issue. The for, I think our forward play might. Um, Peter Casey is a big loss. I'm not sure what the trajectory of his return to play after a crucial is. It's nine months, they say. which right. You could be near enough to nine, nine months, eight or nine. It depends how it goes. Um, Graham is one more year older. Excellent player. But I wish he was 10 years younger. You know? Um, were, you, were, Pat you Ryan has been, hmm? were you at the All-Ireland last year, were you? I was, of course, yeah. yeah, it, was yeah. Like, it, was, it was like, Limerick put on a show, like, didn't they? But like, They were outstanding. They yeah. were outstanding. Like, I'd never seen anything like it. It was actually surreal, like, you know? It was surreal. Yeah. I was like, is this actually happening? I looked at the watch at one stage. It was 50-something minutes on it. We were miles ahead. Even the Limerick supporters were a bit... It wasn't like... It wasn't the drama of, you know, the, the, the first All-Ireland. Obviously, that was just absolutely off the charts. Unbelievable. And the second All-Ireland, there was nobody there, yeah. you know. So the third one, they were so far ahead. Like when you win a game and it's very, very close, the drama over and back between supporters. And the Cork supporters were like going, I'd say they were burying their heads in their hands. It was just one of those days. So yeah. it was a bit, you know, strange in that regard. But yeah. you're right. They did put on a show. They were outstanding. But like their play, their skill level is off the Richter scale, you know. The way that their stick passing always goes to hands, their support play, their movement 
They're coaching like it's they're just an incredible bunch of players. They absolutely are. And great role models and ambassadors. Like, but uh, the forward play now, that's the only area where I'd be worried. Now, then again, we've only two games played now. We'll see a bit more today. Today against Cork is be gunning to beat Limerick and give him a third defeat. You know, and Limerick, they have a very strong team out. And Limerick have as many, have a lot of players in there as well. But they're also trying to give the likes of Cahill O'Neill as many games as they can, like because Bit by bit, like it's like a it's like a wall with bricks in a wall. Like look at the Dublin team, brick by brick, one of these players going missing, and like you know you have to evolve all the time and blood, say one or two every year. So yeah. Limerick have the same fifteen and maybe one or two or three or four more, and there's a couple of guys that really need to be you know competition for places. When I'm getting at here, we need more competition for places, especially in the forwards. We have it in the backs and maybe around midfield. But we need a few more. So that's why Graham, Adam English would be a good one coming forward. Pat Ryan, Pat Ryan is, is good. Like, you know, um, Barry Murphy is missing with a cruciate as well as uh, as Peter Casey, you know. And David Dempsey and uh, um, Adrian Breen were on the panel and they're not now, you know. So I don't know what the story was there. Maybe they weren't playing to the level that they needed to be playing at. So we need more competition in the forwards, especially with the two lads out with the cruciate. That's what I'm trying to say in, in a very long answer. <laughs> No, I was I was up in the I was at it and I was in the Hogan stand and uh, the movement off the ball and uh, the accurate passing was a sight to behold, like you know. But yeah. actually, well, there was one question I want to ask you because it came into my head. Obviously, we both went to Ross Gray, but I remember I used to play Art Scholarish in the rugby down in Limerick, and I remember that was seen as a, a rugby school. That's where Paula Connell went to school, like you know. And one of the greatest stats I took away from that win, someone said to me. I think there was 18 players or, I don't know, on the Limerick panel that went to Art Scullerish. Like, that just shows the, the battle Limerick are winning for hurlers in the city compared to, say, rugby now. That's true. As somebody said to me a few years ago, hurling was sexy at that stage. When you, Before that, in the noughties, it was rugby that was sexy. Yeah. So, like, everybody wanted to go play in hurling. And now it's after evolving into success. But this Limerick, the, the other thing I wanted to say about the current Limerick bunches is they're the most amount of coaching and resources into them as individual players than any, any, any player in Limerick has ever had. So they've, they've been playing Premier at underage with their clubs, say the, like, the strong clubs now, like the likes of Patrick Swell, Napierce, Kilmallock and Dune, right? So they've been playing Premier up along, getting the county finals, winning county finals, same with uh, at senior. Secondary, in, in counties, they've been playing uh, in the underage, in the Limerick Academy structure, which is very, very well ran and very, very well funded. Okay, so they're getting the best of coaching there. And then thirdly, then with the schools, Art School Reach, Dune, uh, Castle Troy College, even for a period of time. And um, they were like mini academies, in particular Art School Reach. So they, that, they have three strands of, of elite level sport and that all fed into what make them the players they are today. How important is JP to the Limerick setup? Because he's obviously not a guy that just throws money at it. He's a real hurling man, like, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah, he, JP's from the Pierce, or uh, sorry, Jesus, I'll be shot. The South Liberties, I mean. And, um, and, uh, so, and his brother, Jerry, Jerry as well, has pumped in a lot of his own money into, into the, specifically to the Hurling Academy. Um, and Joe, Joe McKenna was, uh, and a few more were the guys that was, he's a good pal of, uh, of JP's. And they were the guys that set up the, the Hurling Academy there a few years ago. Avro D, Shane Fitzgibbon over there was involved in it. There's loads of names there now. They're only the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Pat Donnelly now from South Liberties has taken over from Joe McKenna and he's running it now as well. So trying to keep the, the ball rolling and keep the, the supply lines coming. That's the key thing now. 
because Cork were going so bad. Just to uh, Cork as an example, they were going so badly for a long time, but they were a sleeping giant, really. The number of players and the number of clubs is just ridiculous in Cork. They just need to get their house in order from an underage level and their structures. And the Rebel Oak, as well as the structures they have now, I, I think is coming through. Sure, didn't they win like a couple of minors and a couple of under-21s in the space of a couple of months during the lockdown? Yeah. So like that's all going to come through in a few years. You know, so once you have your structures in order, that's very important. Limerick got that. That's why we're here. No, you can even see that now, I think, in Cork, that like Christians used to be a rugby school in the city. But yeah. now I think they got to the Hartley or they're very good at hurling now. Like, so when you are see praise, that. Happen, are praise hurling as well, aren't they? Are praise or is it just Christians? Just Christians, I think. Yeah. Just Christians, yeah. Okay. But like when you see stuff like that happening, you know the work has been done underage and you know it'll come through eventually, like, don't you? So, mm. yeah. yeah. Um, fi- finally, a few questions, Stephen, because um, I got to ask you uh, about John Coyley then, finally, as well. Like, was he with you? Was he in the backroom staff when you were playing with Limerick? Like, I, like he's obviously the right man at the right time as well because he's a very cool character, isn't he? Oh, he's a great, great guy, great guy. So he's such a nice guy, right? Just so sound. Like that's the first and foremost, right? Oh, he's an excellent manager, you know, and he's excellent with young people. And it, if you were at any coaching conferences now, you'll hear about the person, not the athlete. Right. And that's he he focuses on that them as purpose. Any any decent manager worth his salt now or coach will see that. And he's all about that. Like his role as a principal in, in Tip Town in the Abbey, you know, has really stood to him. Like, you know, but he's steeped, like I can't speak highly enough for John. Like he's just fantastic. Yeah. Um we as I said, we got a few questions in, so I'll call him out here and I'll I'll try and keep them appropriate, like because there were <laughs> I can see why you're not on uh on social media, because there were a few dodgy ones that came in, but um, <laughs> I'll call him a what? Uh, who was the best player you played with and played against? Oh, sure, the best players you played against. There was a lot there um, in football. Declan O'Sullivan was tough to mark, very quick, and um, so Tyrone centre forward again um, back in the day. Do you remember, he Not was very good. No, no. no. Um, Philip Jordan, what's his name? His dad played as well. He was very, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Right. He was very, very good. Um, in hurling, actually, uh, Eugene Clunan was very difficult. Yeah. Found he was physically strong and quick. And um, yeah, Max Shefton a couple of times. I found Clunan a handful anyway. Right. So uh, anybody with lightning speed and you're inside and full back and you're, and, uh, I'd wanted binoculars to see Brian Geary out of the half back line. Right. <laughs> Okay, the lads are all slagging me for shouting, get back, get back. <laughs> and tell us, tell us the story, someone else asked this, the story of the helicopter. Oh, there was a few trips down. Um, the other in final in 2000 and, and 2000 uh, in Mullingar against Tyrone. Um, yeah. So I had a biochemistry exam that morning and Dave Billings, God rest him, who was very, like, remember I was talking about Hugh MacDonald. Dave Billings was that guy when I was in UCD. Yeah. Like he looked after me, you know, he was like, you know, another father to me up there. But um, so he organized anyway, got the exam on that morning uh, earlier, in, like nine o'clock. And Tommy Moore of the Red Cow Hotel was our sponsor. So they collected me, brought me out to his house. So they fed me. And then we went to the Le- Leopardstown race course, hopped in a helicopter and got down to uh, down to Mullingar for the match. So that was that. But there was two other times like I had um, matches in U- in Dublin with UCD in the Dublin Championship. And I got two planes uh, down to, to Limerick to play with Croom that evening. Yeah. So one of them, D- Billings again organised those. 
two lads from Neen actually I can't remember them so like I got a taxi from the match still in my gear over to the aerodrome um, not Baldonna no it was uh, Westmanstown I think yeah. and hopped in the plane and flew down and landed in some uh, landing strip in Palace Green I think and out to Kilfin and then to play a, a junior football match at the club or intermediate or something yeah. and uh, another another helicopter down another day I landed we were playing I forget in Tahan and landed in the garden in uh in the Castle Troy Park Hotel, which is mad stuff. Like, you imagine doing that nowadays. I know, yeah. Never be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think, uh, and I suppose, finally then, Stephen, um, I, I couldn't get up to a whole lot of the questions there, but finally, so you're you're involved with the footballers now as doctor, and you're a doctor in the city, is it? Yeah, I'm a GP in Roxburgh Medical Centre in, in Limerick City, beside the Maldron Hotel. So, uh, GP practice and sports medicine practice. So, um, chipping away there, with, and... Probably be there until I'm like 72, retirement age. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> looking for me, that's where I'll be. Yeah. And um, uh, doing doctor with the footballers at the minute, uh, all the football teams, minors in their 20s and uh, and seniors. So uh, yeah, that's enjoyable. Uh, get my fix of GA every every weekend. Yeah. Um, and uh, sure, that's uh, James Ryan is tipping away doing doc for the hurlers. So if they need a handout with anything, I'm sure they just give me a call or whatever to any of the other teams. So. And you're still like a Croom senior, are they? Croom are intermediate in hurling and junior in football. Still chasing that junior A football for God knows how long. Still playing, yeah. Yeah. And, Should uh, be retired. Right, right. And uh, yeah, I think, I, I do, final question then, Stephen, I do this with all my guests, is uh, 60 second questions where I ask you questions on the spot. So in 60 seconds. All right. Thank you, Doug. Favourite food? Uh, chocolate brownie. <laughs> Favorite golf course? The Hinch. How often do you do your dirty laundry? Oh, uh, twice a week. Westlife or Boyzone? Westlife. Do your bet or no? I want to <laughs> Win the World Cup or win the Masters? The World Cup. Favorite holiday? Uh, favorite holiday Costa Rica Nicaragua a couple of years ago my wife unbelievable Costa Rica who would play you in a movie Jesus um, I don't know Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> uh, favorite thing to do on your day off um, on my day off favorite thing to do go to a match go for a walk do something active anyway uh, go to karaoke song. Go to karaoke song. Meatloaf, absolutely. Uh, to, um, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Meatloaf played in Croom Community Centre back in the day. That's a funny story, quick one. Uh, my dad was on the, the committee, and uh, I was about 10, I'd say, 1990 or 91. And I've never seen as many chip fans and leather pants and cans of cider in one place in my life. My dad came back that night and I said, well, 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 what was it like? What was it like? Oh, Jesus, that man had terrible bad language. <laughs> what, uh, what is something you've never tried but want to? Oh, uh, something I've never tried. I don't know. I really don't. All right. I think about that. I'm doing so many things as it is. I, I, I just don't know yet. Best book you ever read? Best book I ever read. Um, uh, Legacy of the All Blacks. And um, leg day or chest day? Uh, both. 
And finally, um, Westlife boys on. You asked me that, Westlife. I'm oh, sorry, tea or coffee? But, uh, I'd, uh, but uh, I'd like to take that even better. When I was in college in UCD, I lived with Nigel Crawford, the lead footballer. I lived with Nigel for three years. And I swear to God, Nigel used to love his take that like. So if he was on a night out and, uh, and uh, he, if he came home and if he got lucky or anything, sure, I'd be inside in bed. I'd sure, I'd hear the take that and would take off then as well for whoever he was entertaining. <laughs> no, Stephen, thanks a million for that. And um, sure, look, best of luck with the, with the footballers this year and good luck with your yeah. team practice in Limerick. Thanks a million, Neville. We'll talk to you again soon. Best of luck. And thanks for listening. And thanks again to former Limerick hurler and footballer Stephen Lucy, great servant and great player of Limerick GA for the best part of 15 plus years. And it's good to see him still involved there with the Limerick footballers. But uh, thanks again to Stephen. Of course, we went to the same school, but he was a few years older than me. I wasn't there when he was there, but it was great to get Stephen on. I remember watching him for Limerick and uh, great, great player. Um, until next time, where I'll have someone else from the world of sport on. Remember, you can get this on all the apps, Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Neville O'Donoghue. Thanks for listening, and I'm out of here.